Hi, everyone. I'm Greg Harton. I'm the editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. I'm joined today with Rusty Turner, who's the editor of the Democrat Gazette here in Northwest Arkansas. And today we have the opportunity to visit with Robin Lundstrom, who is the Republican incumbent of District 87 of the House of Representatives, uh, the Arkansas House of Representatives. And uh, she is seeking a fourth term to represent the people of District 87. Uh, she is uh, a former teacher who went into the uh, rent, the commercial and residential uh, rental and I guess rehab business. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, um, she is from Salem Springs. Uh, so I uh, just wanted to uh, welcome you to our conversation today and thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, actually, I'm from Springdale and I taught in Siloam and I live in Elm Springs. So I'm, I'm definitely a reflection of my district. Okay. I don't <laughs> know where I, I, I uh, got Siloam Springs. I thought that's, uh, that was it, but uh, um, I've done a few of these interviews. So I'm, I'm uh, I would imagine yeah, you've done yeah, quite a few of these. Y'all uh, have done a great job getting that out there. We, we appreciate that. Um, if you would tell us a little bit about the geographic boundaries of 87 uh, so okay. that people, people know uh, what we're talking about. Well, this district goes from the Oklahoma border all the way to AQ Chicken in Springdale. And it encompasses Salem Springs, Elm Springs, Tawny Town, and then a portion of Springdale. So it is a big district. That, uh, it always amazes me how some, some representatives have miles and miles and miles to go and mm -hmm. others have, you know, yeah, peaks. teeny tiny, yeah, yeah. very, very small. Uh, well, I appreciate you being here. Uh, wanted to just uh, start off with you telling us a little bit about your decision making as far as running for a fourth term uh, and what it is you'd like to do with a fourth term. Well, um, I absolutely love representing this district and representing Northwest Arkansas. It's, I still, when I step out onto the floor, get that feeling of, wow, I can't believe I'm here. I'm just pinch me. Um, it's been an absolute thrill of a lifetime. Um, so that was part of figuring into this is it's still something that's very, very special and it's still an honor. So that's something that I, I, there's more to do as far as budget in Arkansas. I want to see Arkansas maintain a stable budget. Um, so that was part of the process and just a lot of things. I love the constituent services part. And um, during this COVID process, there have been constituent services. I've definitely earned my keep. There's been a lot of unemployment um, issues um, with individuals that need unemployment help. So, and I'm glad to do it. And that's, that's been a, a blessing that I've been able to help folks. It's been sad to watch them, but it's been neat to come along beside folks and help. So uh, are there particular, uh, is there a particular focus you'd like to have in another term or, or uh, do you feel like uh, uh, given that you've served three terms that uh, people kind of know what they're getting with Robin Lundstrom and, and, uh, and that just, you're just asking them to continue on with what they've got. Just to continue on. I want to be consistent and conservative and stick to the constitution. All right. Uh, um, go ahead. Greg. Mm -hmm. Well, no. Okay. Sorry. Robin, you mentioned uh, uh, helping folks through the unemployment process during COVID-19. 
let's talk a little bit about that because it's the story that you know that still hangs on is is COVID nineteen. Talk a little bit about uh, how you think the state has responded uh, to the pandemic, and talk a little bit also about what you think might have what we need to do differently or what we might have done differently uh, uh, in the process, and and what does it look like in the legislature in 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 adapting to to our new reality? Well, a couple of things, and and make sure if I don't hit it, I want to go back to the unemployment process because there's sure. a couple of things we need to talk about there. Um, I do think we did really well on the front end because nobody knew what they were getting with COVID-19. It was all happening in real time. You know, one day there's one story and the next day there's another issue. So I, I would put Governor Hutchinson in the top 10 governors in the country for handling at the front end. I think the emergency is gone on too long. I think the emergency needs to stop. Um, I think on the front end, not closing down the state, but pulling things back. I think that part did, we did really well in Arkansas. We kept our numbers low. Um, but I think on the back end, we need to get back to normal or a new normal as, and I hate that terminology, but I think we need to adapt to this is a virus that's going to be around and we're going to have to get used to it. The, the part on the unemployment, we need to keep a close eye on unemployment fraud. There's some issues with unemployment fraud and people need to pay attention to when they get information in their mailbox. They need to look at it. If it says Rusty Turner filed for unemployment and Rusty didn't file for unemployment, you need to immediately call the local police and file a fraud complaint and you need to go to Department of Workforce Services and file a complaint. If not, if you ever do have to file for unemployment, it will go against you as a fraudulent claim and you won't be able to get unemployment. So that's that's serious. Yeah. Um, while we're talking about that, uh, from a legislative standpoint, uh, um, what needs to be done to, to, to address that? Because we've heard uh, we've had a number of employees at our company. We've heard we we we've heard quite a bit about of of those sort of fraudulent claim those fraudulent mm -hmm. claims being filed. So, uh, what do you foresee as the legislature's role in trying to clean that up? I think we need to get the word out that they absolutely have to file. Go on the non-emergency line. It's really easy to do. It's a phone call. It's two phone calls or one phone call and an email to their local police department and Department of Workforce Services. Once they do that, they're off the hook. They don't have to worry about it. But it does make a difference. Two years down the road, if they file for unemployment and they haven't done that, they'll have to pay back all of that fraudulent claim. But if they have done it, it doesn't go against them. But people are blowing it off because I hear about it in coffee shop conversation. Oh, I thought that was funny. I just tossed it. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> they're stealing from you. They're stealing your unemployment. So it that needs to be handled aggressively. We're doing everything. Now, if you file for unemployment, you'll get a letter in the mail and you'll have to show a photo ID and the letter before you, you're able to get your unemployment. So we're attacking it from that end. But on the front end, when the initial fraud happened, there's no telling how much information has gotten out and they're working on it, but it's a mess. Yeah. So people just need to treat that like any other kind of identity theft. In, identity theft, uh, yes, yeah. they do. Okay. And, and not blow it off. Yeah. Um, um, you, go ahead. 
you expressed a few minutes ago, you expressed concern over the length of the emergency declaration. Uh, mm -hmm. there's, there's been some talk uh, about maybe changing, changing, changing the Emergency Powers Act a little bit and, and mm -hmm. uh, to address that. Um, can you talk a little bit about that and what you what kind of concepts you'd support in, in those changes if, if they came up? I really don't know yet. I want to wait and see. I don't want to cut off the governor's power because I do think he has to have that executive power in an emergency. That's why he's governor. I think you, you elect one person to make some of those decisions and when you have an emergency. I just don't think we ought to go on for six months. I think you, you, you have to have the executive make those big boy decisions or big girl decisions at the time. I just think you need to come back to the legislature when it comes to spending after maybe three months. We'll, we'll see. I, I'm going to wait and see what the bills are before I make any decisions. Okay. Um, some, of the, some of your colleagues um, filed that lawsuit against the, the Department of Health, mm -hmm. uh, challenging its authority for, uh, on, the, on the, some of the regulations and, and, and steps that have been put in place. What's your take on that lawsuit? I'm just going to wait and let the courts decide. I, I understand the frustration, so we'll just wait and see. Okay. But you're you're not uh, one of the parties in the lawsuit. Mm -mm. Okay. Mm -mm. Um, while we've been dealing with this COVID nineteen, we've also had a lot of upheaval in the country in involving race relations and law mm -hmm. enforcement. Um, what do you feel like the role of the state legislature and and state legislators uh, needs to be in terms of dealing with what we've seen and heard over the last six, seven months, uh, uh, whether it's, you know, peaceful protests or, you know, certainly we've had some riots and mm -hmm. things like that, but, but a lot of voices saying that something needs to change. Um, give me a sense of what a, a lawmaker needs to be uh, thinking about with regard to those kinds of uh, calls for action. Well, I, I don't know if the first reaction sometimes, sometimes we hear a news story and the first reaction is, you know, people often say things that, that aren't true. And uh, sometimes I think we ought to wait 24 hours and get all the information or 48 hours and get all the story and get all the facts before we open our mouth and insert our foot. Um, because sometimes that's the first thing you see and hear is not always the truth. Um, sometimes we have knee jerk reactions and they turn out later not to be true. Um, I've led protests. I'm, I've led a tax protest. I've been involved in pro-life protests and um, Abercrombie and Finch. We did a protest at the mall when they were putting nude girls in their magazines. Um, but we've never broken out windows or burned cars or in Little Rock they had 51 buildings damaged. That's not a protest, that's a riot. Um, when you throw a rock at a police officer, that's a riot. That's a, two different things. I'm all for peaceful protest. That's part of the American experience. Um, so I, I have a real problem with the riots. I don't think that's not, that's not an American experience. That's a criminal activity. When you burn buildings and damage buildings, damage cars and hurt police officers that are there to protect you, that's a criminal activity, plain and simple. I'm assuming though that you uh, believe that there are are people who have been protesting who are not writers. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and what have you heard from those folks that, that does, is there anything that the state of Arkansas and, uh, and, and legislators such as yourself need to do I, I to address I these issues? 
No, I don't think there's anything. People have the right to protest. Um, they have the right to speak. We have freedom of speech in this country. They can pick up a sign and go walk and do whatever they want to do. I think we need to stay out of the way and protect the freedom of speech. Well, I'm, and I'm not asking about the right to protest. I'm asking about how to address race relations in the, in the state of Arkansas. I don't think we have a huge race relations problem. I think we have a problem with people wanting to stir up race relations problems. Mm -hmm. And I think we have people that want to bait the problems and want to stir it up for their own benefit. Um, I, I know in Northwest Arkansas, where I live, we all get along just fine. We work together. We go to church together. Um, we live together. The school where I went to school with, we have 42 different languages spoken. Um, and that's Springdale High School. We're a welcoming area in Northwest Arkansas. We get along. We live life together all the time. Uh, I think every, every four years though, there are people that want to see hate and want to stir up discord for their own benefit. They'll answer for that at the voting booth or I, I just, I find that kind of sickening that, that so, people want to start that type of thing up. And so the concerns being expressed about racism, you feel like that just doesn't exist? No, I think racism exists. I think that's a sin and I think it always will exist in some part and somewhere. And, but I don't think it's the be all end all. I think it's going to die every generation. It dies a little bit more and it should. It's a sin. But I don't think you're going to write a law to say, don't be a horrible person. I, I don't think you can outlaw that. That's out. if, if, we could, if we could write a law that says, let's have good manners and treat everybody, that, that law would have been written a long time ago. Um, kind of piggybacking on that, there's, there's been uh, some discussion uh, during the interim um, about um, uh, legislation to enhance penalties uh, on, on, on uh, uh, crimes uh, that are motivated by, uh, by racial hatred or, you know, religious hatred. And, you know, the, what I'm talking mm -hmm. about is hate crimes legislation that, sure. that Senator Hendren and, and, and Representative Flowers have been talking about. Um, talk, talk to me a little bit about what you think about e either their specific proposal or just the concept of those enhanced penalties for, uh, for those reasons. I haven't seen that specific proposal because I know it's been changing and they're working on it. So I'm going to reserve comment on that. Hate crimes in general, I find that problematic because the law, you look at Lady Justice and she's blindfolded because it shouldn't matter whether you're rich or poor, black or white, anything. When you go in front of a judge and a jury, it should not matter. Justice should be blind. I, I think hate crimes, I think that's problematic. It's never stopped a hate crime. And I think we need to be very, very, very careful about what we do. I think it's going to have an impact on freedom of speech, freedom of thought. Um, I have a real problem with that. I, I think we need to be very cautious about what we do. When we go to hate crimes, other states that have gone to hate crimes legislation, it hasn't stopped hate crimes. All it's done is absolutely nothing except cause more problems. So I, I'm real concerned. I, I think we need to respect life and we need to have justice be blind. It shouldn't matter rich or poor, black or white, anything. Justice should be equally 
put out and should be equally distributed. Um, tell us, uh, I guess we can take them one, two, three, the issues that are on the ballot, the big one being issue number one, the highway mm -hmm. uh, tax, uh, uh, and uh, that would that would make that permanent uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, from here on out. Um, yeah, give us your sense of, of that and plus the other two uh, ballot issues that are that people will be considering. Um, I'm not for another tax. Uh, I'm, I probably could have handled it if it was sunset, um, but I'm not for putting a tax into the Constitution. And um, I actually went and looked up the amount of money we have over our budget each year. Arkansas, we have a balanced budget amendment. So when we come in, sometimes, and I can get you a list of the years we have come in 60 million, 70 million, 120 million to the good. If we had taken that money and put it towards the highway trust fund, or we had taken the tax on batteries and um, windshield wipers, tires, things related to cars towards highways, we wouldn't need to be taxing the citizens of Arkansas. So I, we have plenty of money in Little Rock. We just need to choose to spend it a little more wisely. And I don't think we need to tax yet again, the taxpayers. And I don't like putting it in the Constitution. I think that's a mistake. I think we're binding future legislators or legislatures. And I, I, I have a problem with that. So I, I didn't vote for it to even go on the ballot. But now that it's in the citizens' hands, they'll have to make that decision. Okay. Um, one of the arguments we've heard uh, has been that, that taking those, uh, taxing those items you're talking about, that that's money right now that goes to general government mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, costs and, mm -hmm. um, and, and that that would essentially be taking from those general government uh, expenditures. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like there's just, uh, there's just enough wiggle room to accomplish that uh, without sure any is. kind of problems? It's a matter of political will. Um, when you have year after year after year of budget, you have a balanced budget and you're in the green, 60 million, 70 million, what would have happened if we'd put 30 million aside in the highway trust fund every year for the last 20 years? If every year we put money aside for something that we deem is important and highways and roads are critical in Arkansas, there's no argument. Everybody agrees on that. Highways and roads are critical in Arkansas. We've got to be able to move our goods and services. We need safe roads. They're always going to need to be had. We're always going to need maintenance. Um, but knowing that it's not been a secret. If all these years we've been putting money back to that, but we're never going to do that if we keep going back to the taxpayers and, and using emotional blackmail and saying, we've got to have more money. We've got to have more money. There's plenty of money in Little Rock. We just don't choose to spend it as wisely as we should sometimes. It's uh, just a difference of opinion. Um, not bad or good. I'm not pointing fingers. It's just a personal difference of opinion. So um, let's touch on those other two items, one about term limits and uh, the other about citizen initiatives and getting those on the balance, the changes in the rules to that. Both of those were uh, recommended by the legislature, put on the ballot by the legislature. How do you feel mm -hmm. about those? Um, term limits, I would like to just leave it alone. I think it's confusing. I think we need to just, term limits happen every two years. Um, you can boot us out or keep us. I mean, that's up to the citizens to decide that. But I, I would prefer not to 
bring something up from the legislature every time. I think it's confusing. Um, not that the voter can't figure it out, but it just looks like, you know, we just keep throwing something out there. Um, and then the other one, I do like the fact that we're spreading out the number of petitions instead of you could just go to three different counties or four different counties in the state and get all you need. I like the fact that it's spreading it out across the state so there's more representation. Um, I do think it's going to make it more difficult on citizens to have an impact on the Constitution. So I have a little bit of a problem with that, but I do like the spreading it out. So I'm you're talking about requiring signatures from more counties. Yeah, from more uh, counties. Yeah. 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 Have, you decided, have you decided how you're going to vote on uh, issue three? You know, there, it depends on which day you ask me. Some days it's a no. <laughs> <laughs> I, and, I'm a, and I'm a day of the, I go the day of. I like to go vote the day of. And, and it's going to be easy to vote this time. They'll have touchless. So I'm going the day of. Um, okay. Uh, I was going to ask another question about issue three. Since you have made, you haven't made up your mind, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on to something else. Um, this probably hits pretty close to home to you, uh, given your business, but talk a little bit about, um, the, the, um, uh, call for in some quarters, the call for, uh, habitability requirement for rental properties. Uh, mm -hmm. what's your, what's your opinion, uh, about, uh, about the push for that and from, I'd be interested in your perspective as somebody who's in that business, uh, what you think about, about any legislation that's been proposed along those lines. Well, everybody says we don't have it. We actually have a habitability law from way back when, um, but we really don't need it. It's actually a backdoor way of having rent control and it actually will cost renters more in the long run. I, I think it's a huge mistake. What I do think is good for renters right now. And, and I tell renters this, in fact, I've, I've even started doing some things, another side gig, which I don't need, but um, is working with renters and talking to them, when you go to rent a rental property, take pictures when you move in. So you know what it looks like when you move out, read the contract. Um, the good news in Arkansas, and especially in Northwest Arkansas, we're adding about 1500 new rental properties. If you're not a good landlord, you're out. I mean they can compete. Good old-fashioned capitalism is the best thing that ever happened to the rental market because a bad landlord is not going to be able to compete. And when you have bad landlords, city codes can handle that. Local control can handle that. And I know they've had some bad landlords in Little Rock because that's where a lot of this habitability stuff has started, but the city of Little Rock needs to do their job and get rid of the bad landlords or go file the code issues on those few bad landlords that they have down there and deal with it. I don't think they need to bring it to the Capitol and pass laws that impact everybody else. Um, so I'm not a big fan of the habitability. I think it's just more regulation and I don't think it really helps the renter. And I think the bad landlords will find a way around it and you'll still have them. Good landlords understand competition. The, um I think another issue that's kind of cropped up uh, in this uh, uh, from your democratic challengers, uh, uh, the minimum wage or the, you mm -hmm. know, I guess some people call it a livable wage. Um, and, and you did go down after the voters uh, approved the minimum wage, you went down to the legislature mm -hmm. 
were pretty aggressive in trying to mm -hmm. kind of undo some of that. Um, well, no, I wasn't wanting to undo that. What I was wanting to do is give small businesses a chance to breathe because they're going to have a hard time. And I, in fact, I heard from a business yesterday that they are going to struggle in January when that wage goes up. And they're looking at how are we going to, we're not going to be able to hire. We'll just have to give a few more hours to one or two people. And how are we going to make this work? And I said, I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. I, I already took my shot and the legislature said no. And that's the way the process works. Um, it wasn't rolling back the minimum wage. It just said, if you are a small business or a charity, you didn't have to go up on the increases as quickly as everybody else. But competition, again, is going to demand in order to get good people, you're eventually going to have to go up. So it wasn't taking it back. It just said, you're not going to have to go up as fast as everybody else. It, it, it did seem to me that you had kind of a fundamental disagreement with the, the, the concept. Yeah. Well, minimum wage is a starting wage. It is not going to be a, a home and a sustaining income for a family of four. It is a minimum wage. It's an entry level wage for somebody that's just starting out. It is not a sustaining wage by any shape or form, but you've got to have minimum wage jobs. You've got to have those burger flippers, starter salary jobs so that kids and young adults can have an income. I mean, how are they going to pay for, how are they going to pay their bills? But when you're our age, you're not going to be making a minimum wage job. And hopefully you're going to gain life experience and you're going to be more valuable and bring more to the job. Um, one of the issues that's not in your district, but certainly is important to a lot of people in, uh, in Northwest Arkansas is the Buffalo National River and mm -hmm. the debate that's been going on for years uh, about the uh, large and medium sized hog, kind of the larger, large scale hog farm operations mm -hmm. that the, the state has had to deal with there. Um, the proposed moratorium on those within the watershed, I think is, has, has kind of met uh, uh, some pretty stout resistance within the legislative uh, body. Um, what do you think needs to happen with the Buffalo River? And do you feel like it deserves any level, higher level of state protection? I do think we need to protect our watershed. I don't think that's any secret. Everybody wants clean water, clean air. Um, I do think we need to also protect our hog farms too. I mean, that's a business. Um, if they were already in the watershed at that time, we need to we need to not put them out of business, but adding more, I don't think we need to add more. I think that's putting them in the in the target zone. What happens if they invest in that area and then ten years from now, the same thing happens again? I think that's a once you permit a business, give them a business permit, taking that back after they've had an investment is wrong. So I think we need to not talk out of both sides of our mouth. Um, I think we need to be very cautious. If we're going to protect the Buffalo watershed, let's protect it, but not punish the businesses that are already there. So, okay. is, is there... Not, just not add any more. Yeah. Uh, so what's the mechanism that you think the state could use to, to accomplish that? I have no idea since that's not in my district. I have not followed that. Um, I just think we need to be judicious in how we apply the law and not punish people that are already there. If we've given them a permit to be there, we shouldn't go back and then after they've spent millions of dollars, 
ask the taxpayers to bail them out, that's not fair to the taxpayers. So we, we just, we have a funny way of doing things sometimes in government. <laughs> and, and it ends up hurting people and that's wrong. Yeah. Um, uh, we do just have a couple of minutes left. Uh, 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 Rusty and I, as hard as we try, we're not always brilliant enough to know the, all the questions that need to be asked. So uh, I guess this is just an open-ended invitation for you to, to uh, come up with your own question is, is there anything we haven't asked you that you want to make sure that you, you comment on uh, to the, the folks who, who view this or listen to it? Um, if they are having problems with unemployment, please get a hold of me. If they're having problems with unemployment fraud, please get a hold of me. I want to make sure that the people in my district are taken care of. And it's, that's what I'm here for. If they're having other issues, I need to hear about it. Um, that's, that's been the big issue right now. And I just want to make sure that they're okay. So, okay. All right. Well, Rusty, anything else on your mind? No, uh, Robin, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining us today and giving us a chance to ask you some questions. Well, thank you for asking me questions. I hope I've answered every one of them. It's been a frustrating thing to watch some of the political debates nationally. And I caught myself yelling at the TV, you didn't answer the question. So I hope I've answered all the questions. Yes, I, I don't know that anybody will be yelling at, at you on this screen uh, to, to, to do that. So we appreciate you answering the questions and I appreciate you Good. spending the time with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. Take care. <laughs>